Hello, my beautiful people. Welcome to Permission to Think. I'm Edwin Rustrian, and I'm glad you're joining me today. Thank you to all of you who week after week tune into Permission to Think. My desire is to push our thinking, encourage you, and remind you that there is always hope regardless how bad things get. I hope this podcast has blessed you and added value to your life. Today's episode is the fourth and final one of a short series on the topic of marriage. We broke down data and statistics on marriage and divorce. We discussed healthy and unhealthy reasons for getting married and what God has to say about marriage. In today's episode, we will reflect and think about where we are and our next steps to demonstrate uncommon valor for our marriages and relationships. You definitely don't want to miss this series. Share it with a friend, other married couples, and young adults who are engaged. The data and statistics on the state of marriage, especially among Christian families, is quite frightening. And now, let's give ourselves permission to think. Before I go into our lesson for today and what I put together to share with you, I, I wanted to share my heart with you. Um, this week, I was able to look closely at the analytics and the data that I get from the podcast, and I, I have to confess that I am overjoyed and at the same time overwhelmed with a sense of awe of the impact that this series has had uh, all across the United States and across the world. Um, the amount of downloads and the feedback and things that have come back to me out of this series have been so incredible and encouraging that there is a need to speak about marriage. There is a need for people that are facing difficult moments in their lives and they're searching and they're seeking something that is meaningful and authentic that they can hold on to. I think in the, in the day and age that we live today with mass media uh, consumption and every possible tool and with so much noise constantly surrounding us, we are like looking for something that is genuine and authentic that can come forth. And for me, uh, I feel really moved when I hear um, the feedback that comes back to me on how this podcast is really impacting their lives and their marriage and their relationships. And so each and every week I work really hard and diligent to put something that comes from my heart that is going to really make us think um, and really make us allow us to to dig deeper into our heart and our mind and to see where we are in life and how to proceed with some of life's toughest challenges. And so uh, I thank you for the feedback. I thank you for listening. I thank you for sharing your thoughts and sharing it with others. Um, there are many reasons why marriages do not succeed and the children that are impacted. And that's my heart. I work with children. I, I, I know many wonderful families and the, the truth of the matter is that our families are completely destroyed. Our families are being attacked left and right. Um, and so as a man, uh, my responsibility is to be that protector, that provider, but also to be that individual who takes full responsibility for the direction that the family and my family is taking. So I just wanted to take a minute to just thank you. Thank you for sharing it with your friends. Thank you for sharing it with those who may need to be encouraged and they're in a really tough bind in their relationship 
relationship. They're trying to figure something out. I hope that the words that I share and and the things that I share with you uh, give you a, a time to think and reflect, particularly in your relationship with God. And so this last part of our series of Uncommon Valor for Marriage I wanted to just kind of uh, just bring it all together and I hope that you're able to draw something that's going to speak to you. Maybe not everything, but maybe something here may be able to speak to you. And so uh, I wanted to just kind of unpack why I came up with the theme for the series Uncommon Valor. And and the idea that valor uh, is defined as a strength of mind or spirit that enables a person to encounter danger with firmness. Or at times it can be described as personal bravery. And uncommon, it's something that is not seen very often. And in our society today, we see that we live in a culture that is extremely individualistic in nature. And everything that we own is always to promote the self. And we lost the sense of family and community. We lost the sense of... and, and. As much as it is, it is shared in many different platforms that are together, we're stronger. There isn't a sense of togetherness. There is a sense of individualism that is so polarizing in our in our lives today. And yet we are connected in so many means, in so many ways, but yet our level of loneliness and emptiness seems to skyrocket to the point of depression, the point even to the point of suicide and anxiety and stress. We are more medicated today than we have ever been before. And so we asked the question, so all the tools that we have to our ability, are they aiding us or are they hindering us? Are they making us, our family and ourselves better? Or are they destroying us? And I think that it is important for us to consider that these are just tools at our, as a resource, not for those tools to control us. And so the uncommon valor is the bravery, bravery that is not seen very often in our marriages. And so I wanted to just unpack this last part of our series and I hope that it really speaks to you to where you are in your life. And, and, and I invite you to please, you know, you, you can message me, you can DM me, you can follow me on social media, you can email me, um, you can follow me on my website, erustream.com, and just share with me anything that uh, I can continue to serve and provide for you. But sometimes if you have a question, you may not understand something that I shared and I will more than gladly respond to you uh, in a way that I can be a resource a resource, and just help you in your journey as well. So our episode in the series on Common Valor for Marriage uh, have had tremendous uh, audience this past three weeks. People from all over the states and, and the world have downloaded and listened to the series on marriage. The response truly from the bottom of my heart has been inc- incredible. And we spoke on healthy and unhealthy reasons for marriage. We spoke on the statistics and data on divorce and reasons for divorce. We spoke on the stages in marriage, the enchantment stage, disenchantment, the maturity stage. We spoke about the four loves, eros, philia, storge, and agape. We spoke even about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We spoke about God's perfect design for marriage and the fall of man. We spoke on where... All our fights and quarrels come from. Why is it that we fight so much in our society and in our relationships? And in the fourth and last episode of today, I want to bring it all together. But before I do, I want to review the reasons for marriages ending. And again, lack of commitment comes in at almost 73% of the reasons why marriages fail. 
argue too much, 56%. Infidelity at 55%. Married too young, 46%. Unrealistic expectations, 45%. Lack of equality in the relationship, 44%. Lack of preparation for marriage, 41%. And domestic violence and abuse at 25%. If we can just kind of, if, if you can just take a moment to think about where you are in your relationship, in your life, and where you are in your marriage, think about Lack of preparation, maybe you're thinking about getting married, maybe you're engaged. That lack of preparation for marriage accounts for 41% of separations and divorces. If we do a better job of knowing and preparing ourselves to what's to come, the unknown, the unexpected, and we understand with a clear head what we're committing ourselves to, then we're going to reduce that number. And understanding what is commitment, I think that we need to speak more about this. There is a sense of lack of understanding what commitment means. It means that, you know, recently um, I had my nephew who I'm spending some time with here in Florida where I am spending the summer doing a lot of this work. And uh, every morning I, I do my best to go out running. And <laughs> he asked me, um, he calls me Theo, uh, uncle. And he's like, you know, where did you go? I said, I went running. You know, why do you run? And I said, because I made a commitment to my health. And, and he goes, but wh- what is commitment? And, and so here's this four-year-old asking me, what is commitment? And I told him, I said, commitment is when you make a decision to do something and you keep your word at doing it. If you don't keep your word in that commitment, then it's called a lie. And that way you are a liar. And he was like, but what about if I don't commit, if I don't say that I'm going to commit and I don't do it, that doesn't mean I'm not lying, right? And so here is this conversation on commitment to a four-year-old. He's asking me these meaningful questions about commitment. And I think that it's important that we don't we never shy away from having a conversation with a four-year-old or a five-year-old about the word commitment. And so we need to really take this word in and break it down and say, before I say I do, let me understand that before I commit myself to something, read the fine print of what is going to require from me. Quite often in a relationship and we go into a committed relationship, we are always demanding and expecting something from our partner, but we never think about our part and what we are contributing in that relationship. And that is so critical because because quite often we want to change the person that we are in we, we are in relationship with, but quite often we don't realize that if we begin to change ourselves in the process, our marriages begin, our relationships begin to grow in a healthy manner. There is a, a book called The Five Love Languages. I, I, I recommend, I highly recommend that book. Um, just take a good read, read it with your partner. Um, and, and you discover something about the love language of your partner, how that can enrich your relationship. So just, just think about those things about the statistics of lack of commitment accounts for 73% and then lack of preparation for marriage accounts for 41% in the statistics is overall why people divorce and, and separate. So I want us to do now, I want you, if you have a pencil, if you have something to write on, if you're in the car, you know, just don't, <laughs> don't, don't pull over, but just listen, you can play this back because I'm going to ask you some questions that I want you to really think about. 
I want us to do a personal evaluation on our marriage, our family, and relationship. And here's the questions that I want you to answer. And I've used these questions in other contexts of our podcast uh, topics that we discuss. I want us to ask the following questions so we can reflect and meditate deeply on these. Number one, think about your marriage right now, the relationship that you're in. I want you to write the question, what is right about your marriage? What is working right now? What is, is you're, you're, you're spot on about what you're doing. The second question is, what is wrong with your marriage? And from whose perspective are you going to identify? Is it from your perspective or from your spouse's perspective? Number one, what is right? Number two, what is wrong? And then what are you confused about in your marriage? Quite often, we, 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 we don't, we're not really clear on the things that we want or expect in our marriage. Maybe you have put unfor, uh, unknown expectations on your spouse and your spouse doesn't even know that you have these expectations. Communicating that what are you confused about in your marriage? And then what is missing? What's missing in your marriage? Did, did, did you go through, we go through that emotion and say, well, you know, I just fell out of love with that person or is communication missing or is commitment missing or it's just a walk around the block around your neighborhood is that missing in in, in your in your relationship it, it's fascinating that if you and your spouse are able to go for a walk and just hold hands even if you don't speak there is a, a, an immediate connection in the touching of hands that draws the person closer to you. Sometimes I see marriages that don't even hold each other anymore. They don't, they don't even hold each other's hands when they're walking in public. They don't even show affection or uh, even express something, uh, a kind word to the spouse. And everything is just like in every day. I live with this person. I have to endure living with this person. And by the way, I am not trying to create this um, like image that, you know, of, of that your marriage should be, um, constantly euphoria or an oasis, but it is possible to really feel and to live a life valued on the principle that you're sharing and doing life with someone you deeply love, not just emotionally, but out of that commitment, that unconditional love that we spoke about before. So think about these four questions. What is right in your marriage? What is wrong? What are you confused about? And what's missing? Because we're going to come back to these questions. So as you ponder these four questions, I'm going to go a little deeper on James 4. We shared this last week on James 4, 1 through 4. And I'm only going to use the first part of this. In the, in the Bible, the book of James is in the New Testament. And in the fourth chapter, verse 1 through 4. Where do you think all these appalling wars and quarrels come from? Do you think they just happen? Think again. They come about because you want your own way and fight for it deep inside yourselves. You lust for what you don't have and are willing to kill to get it. You want what is in yours and will risk violence to get your hands on it. You wouldn't think of just asking God for it, would you? And why not? Because you know you'll be asking for what you have no right to. You spoil children, each wanting your own way. And, and in this context, I want you to really think about where we are in our society. This was written close to 2,000 years ago, right? And, and, and I want you to think about this context of where we are today. And this is the, the heart of man. This is the condition of where we are. 
don't we don't we constantly see disagreements today isn't isn't the politics have become so divisive and dividing our country don't we fight about things that we feel so virtuous about how many times have we ever sat down and with a person and say i i i'm going to sit here because i want to listen to your perspective and i want to listen to your point of view not trying to convince the other person of yours but just engage in a meaningful conversation where you allow the person to present their side and find common ground in it we always want to, we fight to be right we fight to 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 for some ideology that we don't even know is full depth and we're committed to something and sometimes it can even be a lie but we haven't really thought it through but it sounds right it feels right it must be right and we don't really give a moment to hear somebody else's perspective and out of that comes the desire of just wanting we lust for the things that we think we need and we will do anything to get it now put that context in a relationship in our marriage why do you fight in your marriage so much why do you argue why do you don't have commitment right think again they come because you want your own way and fight for it deep inside i want my way in my relationship i want things to be done the way i want them to and i'm not going to concede my spouse of being right so right away it's like i have to win this argument you rather choose to be right instead of living a, having a home full of peace and, and and there's a maturity element of that so when we're constantly fighting in our relationships what are we fighting about let's go back to that what is right what is wrong what is missing what are you confused about because these questions are so important for us to then begin to identify within our heart about where we are please take a moment to really think about this go back and really listen to the other episodes because we I, i broke that down a little bit and unpacked a little more right what are you going when out of those four questions what are you going to use to determine if your answer holds water what do i mean by that what are your values and standards to determine your authenticity and truthfulness of where you are in your marriage this is the time that maybe you can spend some time alone go for a walk but be alone maybe you can journal you can write i am angry at my spouse i am angry at my children i am angry that like our finances just collapsed i made some bad decisions and i don't know how to bring this bad news to my wife i can't seem to get over the funk of depression i can't seem to to feel overwhelmed and angry and frustrated i can't seem to just do anything right and then you're constantly with these negative emotions that when you walk in the first one who receives it is your wife is your children is the cat is the dog and you're projecting all this anger and insecurity and and and, and frustration and anxiety onto your family and then if you if your spouse is on the other end you're constantly there is no peace there is no joy you don't want to go home you withdraw and, and that is a dangerous place to be with because we discuss the function and the value that your spouse has in your in your relationship okay so i want you to really think about that just spend a few minutes just really mulling that over and saying okay what is right about my marriage right now i have a, a, a spouse who supports me a spouse who is committed to me 
you know, I, I, as you heard me say before in other episodes, I said, I tell many men this, that are married, I said, quite often we thank God for the wife that we have and we should be thanking God for the wife that we don't have, right? And if you have a wife who is strong and solid and loves you and cares for you, let's show that appreciation. If you have a husband that works hard, is committed to the children, comes in and tired and exhausted, but it still plays with the children, still plays around and rolls around and takes and cleans the house and helps you cook or whatever, you know, just, just celebrate that husband as well. Quite often we don't say thank you. We don't live uh, from a place of gratitude. We live from a place of demanding and expectation. Gratitude goes a long way. When you sit down with your spouse and say, you know what? Your words really made me feel wonderful today. Thank you for doing that for me. Thank you. Even saying, I love you each and every night before you go to bed or before you go to sleep or in the morning. Let those words be the first ones that come out. Now, I, I want to go into something that I, I think is going to bring this together. And, you know, when we look at the life of Christ, when we look at the life of Jesus, his words were very powerful, but his arguments were not necessarily with political figures. They were more with the religious groups that, that wanted to, to, to oppress and control and manipulate people to a religious ideology. And so for me, the words of Christ, the words of Jesus speaks directly to the heart of man. So I'm going to take the, the book of Matthew in chapter 19, and I'm going to read from the message version of the Bible, okay? And so just follow my words, because I'm going to unpack this a little bit, okay? Of ver of chapter 19 of Matthew, and we're going to read from verse 1 on. When Jesus had completed these teachings, he left Galilee and crossed the region of Judea on the other side of the Jordan. Great crowds followed him there, and he healed them. One day, the Pharisees were badgering him, and they asked him, Is it legal for a man to divorce his wife for any reason? He answered, Haven't you read in your Bible that the Creator originally made men and woman for each other, male and female? And because of this, a man leaves father and mother and is firmly bonded to his wife, becoming one flesh. No longer two bodies, but one. Because God created this organic union of the two sexes, no one should desecrate his art by cutting them apart. Verse 7. They shot back in rebuttal. If that's so... Why did Moses give instructions for divorce papers and divorce procedures? Jesus said, Moses provided for divorce as a concession to your hard hardness, but it is not part of God's original plan. I'm holding you to the original plan and holding you liable for adultery if you divorce your faithful wife and then marry someone else. I'm making exception in cases where the spouse has committed adultery. Jesus' disciples objected. If those are the terms of marriage, we haven't got a chance. Why get married? But Jesus said, not everyone is mature enough to live a married life. It requires a certain aptitude and grace. Marriage isn't for everyone. Some from birth seemingly never give marriage a thought. 
others never get asked or accepted. And some decide not to get married for kingdom reasons. But if you're able, if you're capable of growing into the largeness of marriage, do it. My beautiful people, there is so much to unpack in this passage. And I'm just going to take a few points to just kind of highlight to you. When the Pharisees came to, to Jesus and asked them the question about the divorce, okay, they were really, they're always looking to trap Jesus in this. They're always looking for ways to, to, to um, corner him. So when they shot back and they say, if that's so, why did Moses give instruction for divorce and papers and divorce procedures? They come about because they want their own way and fight for it deep inside. And so one of the practices that they were doing at the time was that they were divorcing their wives so they can remarry someone else. They were using loopholes in the law in order for them to continue to live the way that they wanted to. So during Again, during Jesus' time, men were divorcing their wives so they could marry younger. Often they would blame and accuse their wives of adultery so they can legally divorce, citing the law of Moses as a religious loophole to their carnal desires. But listen to what Jesus says to them regarding the law of Moses. Moses provided for divorce as a concession to your hard heartedness, but it is not part of God's original plan. What God brings together, let no man separate. And so a lot of times it's not even someone else that's coming inside of your relationship and marriage. It's within yourself. It's within me, the innate nature that we can be so destructive and we can just be so manipulative to get the things that we perceive that are good for us. The problem we have in our society regarding marriage and unhealthy relationships is not a new problem. It's been going on since Jesus and Adam's time. But one of the things that I find interesting in the final aspect of this passage is what Jesus says. Not everyone is mature enough to live a married life. Isn't that beautiful? That there are people who say, listen, I'm good. Like, I don't need to be married. Like, I live a very productive life. I feel wonderful. And there are people who feel like that's the life they were meant to live. And Jesus acknowledges this. He says, not everyone is mature enough to live a married life. He says, it requires certain aptitude and grace. Marriage isn't for everyone. Some from birth seemingly never give marriage a thought. And in God's eyes, this is fine. Others never get asked. And isn't that true? Have we, have we not all have that friend or someone who says, well, you should go get married. Go find yourself a good man or go find yourself a good girl. And, and, and I, don't, I never understand that because it's like, why are you making someone feel guilty that their life is not what you perceive that their life should be? You know, are you going to be married to the person as well? Are you going to be there through every tough situation and hardship? It's like, come on, sweetheart, your biological clock is ticking. You should already have kids. You should have had the house. Who needs those pressures? Jesus himself is saying, aren't some people that just never asked or even accept an invitation for marriage? And God says, it's fine. It is Okay. But our society sometimes put these pressures on people to feel what is wrong with this. has to be something wrong with you because you should have been married by now. You should have some sort of a relationship. And Jesus says, it's okay if you have committed yourself to live in that life. 
He says, some from birth seemingly never give marriage a thought. Others never get asked or accepted. And some decide not to get married for kingdom reasons. Meaning that if they're committed to serving God, they, they just remain just committed to their relationship with God, not the responsibility of marriage. And even Paul talks about this in Corinthians 7, that he talks about the great responsibility of marriage, that that is your first responsibility, not church, not everything else. Your marriage is your first commitment. But he says, if you can live as a single person, if you can live committed to the work of God, amen. But if you can't, then if you are able to, then get married. But if you're capable of growing into the largeness of marriage, do it. Because it's God's plan. It's God's original perfect design. I, I really want to share this with you because I think that quite often the church with good intention or people with good intention will ultimately always promote marriage as a way for people to just continue their next journey or their next step. And Jesus tells them some people don't, and that's okay. Some people never get asked, and that's okay. But if you are going to do it, make sure that you have the aptitude, the grace, the commitment, and that you understand what you're getting yourself into. You know, quite often in the culture of Jesus' time, these men were just uh, setting their many times their wives up. There was a culture that was so evil and so destructive, and that's why Jesus spoke against them because he knew what their hearts were. They were selfish. They were arrogant. Their hearts were hard. They, 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 they abused their power. They were manipulated, and they practiced this, this beautiful religion of appearances, but their hearts were so far away from God and Jesus called them out for that. And so every time they will corner him, he will always come and expose their heart. My friend, my beautiful people, you know that I love you and, and, and I, want to, I want you to understand and resonate and let this resonate in your heart. Before you say I do, seek mentors. Before you commit yourself to a lifetime relationship where you can expect God's covenant and God's blessing over your life, I want you to really think about seeking someone that can ask you the most difficult questions. Quite often, for those who are so eager to get married, they don't seek counsel or advice because of the fear that they're going to hear something that they're going to be faced with and make a decision and expose them of something that they shouldn't commit their lives to. And they have fear that they're going to miss out on something. And quite often, when they, after they say they do, their lives don't pan out and then they grow frustrated, disenchanted, and they file for divorce for irreconcilable differences as, as, as a term as that may be. Marriage is, is, is blessed by God. It is a beautiful institution. And we have a responsibility, as, as speak for me as self as a man, that I have a responsibility to have a covenant in my relationship with God. That I have a responsibility to my wife to love her, to care for her, to, to keep building her and, and to keep giving myself to her as she reciprocates that to me. To my children, I have a responsibility to be there, to protect them, to provide, to pray over them, to counsel them, to cry with them, to be with them in, in, through, through thick and thin, and, and to let them know that daddy will always be there. 
And and as I mentioned before, one of the things that my daughter has asked me before is like, I, I pray that you're always there for me, daddy. I pray that you always listen and that you're there to the moments that I need you the most. Your children don't need a lot of material. Stop giving your children a lot of material things. They need you. They want you. When you walk through the door, when you walk as a, as a father, think about this. Maybe if you have older children, you 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 probably miss this, right? But I remember when my girls were, were much younger, right? And they still do it from time to time. My, my, my youngest daughter is about to turn 10 and my oldest, she's about to turn 16. But when I would walk through the doors of my house, I would get the biggest, hey, daddy, daddy's home. And it's like if they were anticipating and waiting for my arrival the entire day, there was this excitement. There was this joy and this peace. There was this exuberance in, in, in their um, greeting and receiving me to come home that I felt literally like the king of the castle. And and so when I came home, it was about them. It was about our family. It was about my safety haven and so imagine the children who are waiting for daddy to come home and he never does imagine the the children who are waiting for mommy to come home and she never does we have a fatherless problem in our nation and around the world and I wish that before we jump ship and we walk away from our families from our homes that we really take the moment to consider the impact that it will have financially emotionally intellectually and in many other ways, spiritually, on our children when we walk away from our homes. We must do better. You know, if, if you're a believer, you're a Christian, uh, if you're a person of faith and you see that you're tempted, your heart desires something that is going to destroy your family, seek help. Please, if you find yourself tempted by the many things that's going to destroy your family financially, if you're going to destroy your marriage emotionally and your children, think about it. Seek help. Someone who is not going to judge you in any way. Uh, maybe you're going through just a moment and a stage in your life that you're like, I don't know. Like, I, I'm having these thoughts and I'm having these feelings. Uh, recently, I, I've been doing interviews on, on Facebook Live on men. I, I'm calling that topic, that series that I'm doing, Uncommon Men Living Extraordinary Lives. And our previous episode, I had this very special guest and he shared, oh my goodness, his story of, of fatherless at 10 years old. He shared how he went through a divorce that he didn't want to have. He shared how his second wife died and how he was angry with God. And then his relationships with his children. And then now where he is in his life and he feels totally blessed that God provided a person who was going to be there for the rest of his life. What a beautiful story. If you can, look it up. Follow me on Facebook and look at that video. Look at that story because it is so powerful. His story, how he shares of perseverance, but the impact that God made in his life and how that changed his the trajectory of his life. These are not easy conversations to have. They're very difficult. They're very challenging. This is the reality of where we are. The problem we have in our society regarding marriage and unhealthy relationships is not a new problem. It's been going on for a very long time. My friends, I, I speak from the heart and, and I want you to hear my voice. And I want you to really just take a moment to just ponder on the questions that I asked you before. The number one reason for marriage's ending is a spiritual one. We are out of covenant with God. We made a mockery and trivialized it. 
We want our own way. We lust and covet what we don't have and will destroy anything or anyone to get it. We no longer hold in high regard God's word and we lost all sense of humility, kindness, and the true essence of love. Not emotional love, but agape love, unconditional and sacrificial. We love and respect. I share this closing thought with you. There is so much pain, hurt, bitterness, and resentment in our families, in our children, and in our marriages, in our society, in our workplaces, in our churches, in our institutions. Take a moment, think about it. The behavior that we see in our society stems from a place of hurt, of discontent, of disappointment, that something that people have put their, their faith in has literally collapsed and they don't, they don't see any sense of hope. We have a warped view of God. We are out of relationship with him. There is an evil one who hates everything good God created. And that includes you and me. He will not stop till he destroys us and our families and especially our children. If he's able to get the fathers out of the home, he has the entire, well, at least he thinks he has the next generation. And children who do not have fathers at home or male presence in their homes that can guide them and give them that moral compass, they're at the mercy of institutions such as the government or educational system. We have a tough task ahead of us. We have a tall task ahead of us. I'm going to ask you the questions that I asked earlier. What is right in your relationships, in your marriage? What's wrong? What's missing? And what are you confused about? What's right? What's wrong? What's missing? And what are you confused about? Who or what are you truly committed to? It makes a difference. I hope that this episode, this series, has really given you something to think about. I hope that it has touched your heart. And I hope that it's made you reflect on your relationship with your loved ones, with your family. A family is a blessing from God. It's not a curse. Children are a blessing from God. They're not a curse. Your wife is a gift from God. Your husband is a gift from God. Think back about the things that you fell in love with with your spouse. Think about the moments that drew you closer. And when you said, I do. The vicissitudes of life, the hardships of life, when they come unexpected, they really, really try to destroy us and knock us down. Find strength in each other. Find comfort in knowing that God is the center of your relationship and in everything you do. Remember, God's original plan was for male and female, husband and wife, that he is not just part of it. He is in your marriage 24-7. I love you, my dear people. I love you with a sincere heart that I want to see us have a successful, powerful, and impactful community and families. So today, I'm going to leave you with our quote of the day, and it comes from C.S. Lewis. You cannot love a fellow creature fully till you love God. Let me say that again. You cannot love a fellow creature fully till you love God. Remember, Never compromise integrity for comfort. Stay strong. Bye-bye.